Good morning, y'all, and thank you for joining today's podcast. My name is Dana, and I am from DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services and Financial Aid Compliance Solutions. What I do is, is I'm hired by mainly career schools and technical schools to review their student financial aid files to make sure that they are accurate. Um, and the information uh, that was provided is, again, accurate um, and awarded uh, properly so that when they have the annual USDE audit, uh, they're not in jeopardy of losing the financial aid, meaning it needs to be returned and then having to contact the student after the fact. So that's a little bit about what I do. Um, I also um, want to talk about some things coming up with uh, direct loans. So today's show is all about understanding the difference between loan academic year, award year, and loan periods. Uh, The reason why I picked this topic uh, this week is because of the fact that um, this week when I was reviewing files, I had one of my clients contact me. Um, I had awarded a file for a student um, who was a prior student at another institution and she has some active loans out there with an active loan academic year that's not gonna end until, I believe it was October, and she's going to be starting in August. So in order to award the file, I needed to have the um, my client provide what we call scheduled hours for that overlap in time period, which is from the time they're start- the student is starting at their school and going to um, and it ends on the academic award year that is currently active at the prior institution. Uh, what had happened was is the client contacted me because the student was under the impression from her prior institution that the award year was ending um, or academic year I should say was ending in May or had ended in May and uh, that was not the case. It was actually award year that had ended in May uh, based on the award year that the school observes. So I figured that would be a good topic for today um, just to clarify how this all works so that there um, may not be um, a misunderstanding. So when a student is starting at an institution and gets awarded loans, If the award year at that institution is running, say, from September to May, and the students awarded for the full year, that award year and loan period, or or academic year and loan period, are going to be the same as the award year, okay? If, for some reason, the student decides to withdraw from that institution, then the award year and the loan period will be adjusted, but the academic loan academic year cannot be adjusted. And the reason for that is, is because of the regulation the department has implemented when calculating sub usage loan limits. And every student that has direct loans awarded are now subject to the sub usage loan limit. And, uh, So if you're going from a traditional college and going down to a career or technical school, which is typically clock hour, 
um, then there's going to be a little bit of a situation where your loan eligibility will be affected if you are enrolling prior to that loan academic year ending at the prior institution. So my advice to um, financial aid professionals, when you're talking with your students, uh, make sure that they are understanding the difference between the loan academic year, your institution's award year, if it's if it's different um, than the uh, traditional award year that is set up by the department, which is usually, well, it's not usually, it is July 1st to June 30th. So this year, um, we're currently working on the 2020-2021 award year. And that award year is due to end coming up on June 30th. And it's starting to phase out now. And with the um, FAFSA, the 2020-2021 FAFSA will no longer be able to be completed as of June 30th. And as I have um, stated in my past podcasts, if you are a student who is enrolling prior to July 1st, and we've only got a couple of weeks left, and you haven't completed the 2020-2021 FAFSA, it is a good idea for you to do so. And the reason for that is, is because that's based on 2018 income, earned from work, tax information, and other taxed uh, income. <clears throat> I'm sorry, other untaxed income. So it could be that you earned less money in 2018 versus the new award year, which is the 2021-2022 award year, which is basing all of that information from the 2019 um, tax filing year, as well as income earned from work and other untaxed income. So it may reduce your, or may increase your Pell Grant eligibility as well as your loan eligibility from the 2020-2021. And it also depends on what program you are enrolling in. For example, if you are enrolling in a 1,500-hour program and you're starting prior to July 1st, you may very well want to be awarded from the 2020-2021 file because if you're grad due to graduate or expected completion date is prior to July 1st of next year, all of your aid, uh, second, third, and fourth Pell payments, if you're Pell eligible, are going to be coming out of the 2021-2022 award year. So you want to try to get your first Pell grant, if eligible, out of the 2020-2021. I highly recommend that you do not wait until June 30th to complete the 2020-2021 FAFSA because of the fact that it is the last day of processing and there is time uh, time changes in the United States where if you're on Eastern time, it's getting processed in Central time because the Central Processing uh, System is located in Iowa. And for those students that are in mountain time and in Pacific time, you know, the, you got to keep up with the time. And uh, also you need to have a valid EFC. So if there's an error that causes no EFC to be calculated, there wouldn't be any time um, for you to obtain a valid EFC um, 
or having to recomplete the FAFSA, I should say. Um, so just keep that in mind and you're gonna wanna complete it within the next, um, I would say complete it at the latest by next Friday, just to give yourself a little bit of leeway um, in case uh, it doesn't get you know, processed in a timely fashion. Um, you know, it needs to be looked into or, you know, for some reason something happens. So that's just a little bit of advice there. Now that's not to say that the 2020-2021 will be awarded. It may very well be that, you know, it's determined you're not Pell eligible so that everything's going to be awarded for that 1,500 hours out of the 2021-2022. Now, if that happens, you're going to want to try to make sure that your graduation date or expected completion date is after July 1st of next year. So that if you are Pell eligible on the 2022-2023 FAFSA, that you can get that fourth Pell Grant out of that um, award year. So that's a little bit of information. I want to thank Nana Adua. I hope I pronounced your name uh, correctly. Thank you for joining today. Um, I hope that helps a little bit with uh, the difference between the loan academic year, the award year, and the loan periods, and um, also providing information uh, with regards to your best advantage of uh, when completing uh, the FAFSAs on eligibility. Also, um, I briefly wanted to um, touch on a couple of articles that I was reading um, that were that was published by uh, NASFA, the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators. Uh, there's a, a gentleman by the name of Hugh Ferguson that is a NASFA staff reporter, and he's been doing quite a few articles uh, recently with regards to what's occurring with the student loan uh, portfolio, with the, the student loan debt, what um, the uh, White House is talking about, USDE is talking about um, how things are going to be handled. Because as we know right now, those of you that have current um, or have students that currently have loans out there, everything as far as the interest go and repayments have kind of been suspended until September 30th of this year. Now, at this point in time, we're not sure if that date is going to get extended. Um, and so there is um, huge discussions right now going on on how the repayment is going to start up again. And that also is going to affect um, schools with regards to their students that have loans out there that are going to go into repayment um, and, and whether or not some of those uh, loans that we're currently in repayment um, because there are some students that have continued on uh, with repaying, there ends up with a default status and that default status can go against your school's cohort default rate. And if your cohort default rate at your institution is above, is 40% or above, then you're in jeopardy of losing your Title IV eligibility for your institution, which means that you'll no longer be able to participate and offer direct student loans to your students or Pell Grant money or SEOG money. Uh, so you're gonna wanna make sure that you keep up on this. And if you haven't already 
um, subscribed to NASFA or you haven't, um, you know, read the articles, I typically am following them via uh, Twitter. I am a, I am a part of the the NASFA organization, but I wanted to um, just make sure that if you if you want the most up to date information, uh, following them on Twitter is the best way because they're continually on a regular basis tweeting out updates. Uh, so the most pertinent articles that um, Hugh Ferguson has published uh, this past week um, is entitled White House Forecast 68 Billion in Long-Term Losses for Student Loan Portfolio, which is kind of uh, discouraging in a way. But um, the first paragraph simply states, estimated losses on the federal government student loan portfolio have been raised by 53 billion Per an analysis by the Biden administration, taking last year's projected deficit from 15 billion to 68 billion in long-term losses, and I also want to touch briefly on this whole um, debate going on with regards to um, student loan forgiveness. And I just want to point out that further down in the article. Uh, it states that the Nonpartisan Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, CRFB, in a recent study provided additional insight into what impact broad student loan cancellation could have for borrowers and concluded that administering 10000 or 50000 for each borrower with federal student loans could produce only 2 to $0.27 cents of economic activity for every dollar of cost, respectively. Um, so that is huge. And um, I highly recommend that you go in and, and read the article. I am going to be sharing it actually on my uh, social media. So you can also um, get a copy of it there as well. Um, I'm on LinkedIn under Dana Anderson and also um, I have a page for Financial Aid Compliance Solutions, my new program that I've just launched to help uh, career and technical schools have stress-free audits. I also have a Facebook page um, for DAS uh, Financial Aid Consulting Services and Financial Aid Compliance Solutions. Uh, has they, There's a group there too, if you're interested in joining. Uh, so I'll, I'll be posting that article there. And then the other article that I just wanna quickly reference is um, entitled State of Impending Emergency, How Recovery from the Pandemic Could Complicate Student Loan Repayment. And this is really important um, because of the fact that right now they're really trying to figure out in Washington how this whole repayment um, process is going to start up again. And um, it could you know, very well be, they're, they're estimating that this could be a real, um, for lack of a better word, debacle, um, because of the fact that uh, you instantly start repayment, but if the loan servicers aren't ready for the repayment or students aren't ready for the repayment, you know, it's, it's one of those things where how are you going to get the word out, the repayment has started, um, you know, and for those students that may not be able to afford the payments that they were 
were paying um, prior to the suspension of payment um, because of the, you know, CARES Act, um, how, how is that all going to work? And so it would be a good idea if you have students that are currently in this situation that you sit down with them and you have the frank conversation with them that they need to contact their loan servicer, make sure that all of their information is up to date with their loan servicer, meaning they have the correct telephone number, the, the correct email address, and that they're also watching their inboxes um, for any updates that they um, may have coming uh, forward to them um, from their loan servicers. Also for those um, students that are listening that um, are now currently taking advantage of the um, extension on not repayment and also um, you're going to want to talk to the servicers as well and expect that, you know, repayment is going to be starting up again um, eventually. Now, again, the, the date is September 30th and I will keep everyone up to date as if for some reason that date is extended. Um, but at this point in time, September 30th, so expect as of October 1st, you are in repayment status and you need to start figuring out if you don't already have a plan to start repaying your student loans. Um, and also, I'm just going to put out there that even though there is a lot of discussion in Washington right now, a lot of debate going on about student loan forgiveness that is not written in stone. So as soon as October 1st, rolls around, again, you're going to want to expect to be in that repayment status. And you're going to want to start uh, fulfilling the obligation that you made when you signed your promissory notes and you took these loans out saying that you promised to pay the loans back. And uh, going forward, um, if you have any questions uh, and you know, you're just not quite sure um, where to turn, uh, there's a couple of resources. One, you can contact me directly. Um, my email address is danderson at dasfinancialaidconsultingservices.com. Uh, you can look me up on social media and direct message me there. Or you can also um, go to uh, financial student aid and our federal student aid or studentaid.gov and they um, have a whole section on uh, repayment. And if for some reason you need to um, make adjustments to your payments or you, um, you know, need to contact your servicer, all of that information is right there. And if you have completed your FAFSA, you already have what they call an FSA login. So you already have an account with them and you'll be able to log in. But right on the home page, it says in repayment and it says I have loans I need to repay. You just click on that and that gives you a whole wealth of information and resources um, so you can go there. So again, I appreciate you uh, joining me today for uh, this podcast. And um, as always, again, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. And I, again, thank you so much. And I hope everybody has an excellent weekend and we'll be talking soon. Take care.